This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Many have been enjoying the series we've been doing, Your Greatest Power. I believe this is a series that I was thinking about how the Lord has led us in just what He's told us this year, and I can see the progression He's really wanting us to come to a place of bearing fruit, fruit for harvest, and getting things out of our lives that are causing grace to be hindered. And we look at your greatest choice or the greatest power that you have is the power of choice. And when you really understand that we have choices and we can choose the blessing, it changes everything. Many times we think, well, it's just my lot in life that this is the way it is. Everyone in my family, this is what happens. But no, you've been, if you're a believer, you're in a new family. And this family, the limits come off. This family, you can be everything that God wants you to be. In other words, take the limits off. Make some choices that are life choices. In Deuteronomy chapter 30 verse 19 has been our um, theme verse. Verse 19, it says, I call heaven and earth as witnesses today against you that have set before you life and death. Say life. life. Say death. How many realize that's what's in the earth? Life and death. Blessing and cursing. Say blessing, blessing. and cursing. cursing. How many want the blessing? Yes. That wasn't a hard choice, was it? Well, you got to choose life to get the blessing. Therefore, choose life that both you and your descendants may live. So God, I love this. This is God speaking. He's, he tells us what's in the earth. And he, he says, in case you have trouble making up your mind, I will help you here. Choose life. It's the best way. And how many times is the world speaking words of death and saying it's the best way, but God's way still and always will be the best way. It produces life. And we want blessing. We want the life of God. And we can choose it. He has given us the power to choose. That's a revelation for a lot of people right there. He has delegated this power of choice to humanity, and we choose. It's our choice. A lot of times we're waiting on God to do something, and He's saying, choose. Make a choice. Make a decision. You go to Baskin-Robbins, and you just, will someone make a decision? Especially when the kids are small. Will you make a decision? We're going to leave if you don't make a decision. Oh, okay, this. This isn't really what I wanted. Can I trade with you? Oh. <laughs> Too many choices. <laughs> but you know, there's choices that really make a difference. And those are, there's some choices that mean death or they mean life. And we need to make sure we're ch- making the right choice. Life choices are choices consistent with God's commands, His values, and principles. So you can choose to make good choices. You have the power to make good choices. And God will grace or give His ability to those life choices. He cannot grace a deaf choice. He cannot 
bring his blessing and favor on a choice that goes against his word. He cannot. He would have to violate his word to do that. And many times we make a bad choice, a deaf choice, we get consequences, then we're upset at God. Why did you do this to me? And he just wants to say, you choose. You chose it. We did it. Now this isn't condemnation one-on-one. <laughs> this isn't the blame game. I'm just saying, take, let's take responsibility. Let's take responsibility. I know where I've made bad choices, and I'm not under condemnation. I know God loves me. He's for me. He's not against me. But I can take responsibility and learn and move forward from that, where I don't go the same way. I make good choices this time. That's the reason, you know, you think about your kids, you train your children. You train them. Do you realize you make the choices for them when they're young, those major choices you make for them? Yes, you are going to brush your teeth today. No, you're not just going to take a shower once a month. No, we're not having ice cream for every meal this month. We're not. You make those choices, and when they get older, you start giving them some responsibility. Let them make some choices, and when they're wrong, don't bail them out. That's what many parents do. I, I don't want my little baby to suffer. Let them suffer, baby. <laughs> on a low level now, because you don't want them to suffer on a big, important decision. So you let them have the consequences. That's how they're trained. That's how they learn. But today, well, my child's never done anything wrong and never will. What planet are you from? Uh, let me see. Aren't they your offspring? Oh, okay. Ooh, okay. Hey, I'm, hey don't throw any stones up here. Get those tomatoes away. <laughs> Stones on. Never mind. Okay. Okay. Moving on quickly. <laughs> we want to give them responsibility. You know, I was watching, uh, it was a Christian show. I don't remember the name of the show, but it was talking about marriage and how um, when people are engaged to be married, there's, they're like in this endorphin drug-induced state. And I got thinking about that. That's, that's, a, that's about the truth. You do some premarital counseling, and it, it can get humorous. I mean, they know everything about everything. We don't have any problems and never will. How are you going to live? Off of love. How about some six months later marriage counseling? Then we'll have something to talk about. Because there's going to be some things to work through. In a relationship. And then you take other countries, you know, other countries where the parents are so involved, you know, they, they help select the, the spouse. You know what the divorce rate is there? 5%. If you have Christian parents, I would go to them. I wouldn't back then. I didn't know. But now I know, and you're stuck with it, young person. But if you're a young person, I'd, I'd ask my mom and dad, what do you sense God is telling you about this person? 
because you're, you're on drugs. <laughs> you're in this state. And you need somebody to tell you the truth where you don't go through misery. <laughs> All right. Training. Choosing life for your, for your kids and then letting them make some choices. There was a young boy who lived in the country. Uh, his family, uh, they had to use an outhouse. And the young boy, he hated it. You know, it was cold during the winter, hot during the summer, always smelled. And he got this idea. He said, when those spring rains come and the, the creek gets real high, I'm going to push that outhouse into the creek. So he had this idea, and the, the spring came, and the rains came, and the, the creek swelled, and he goes out. One night, he, he pushes it over into the creek. Well, that same night, his dad comes to him and says, uh, son, we need to go to the woodshed. Well, he knew what the woodshed meant. He had done something wrong. And he said, you know, something wrong? Did I do something? He said, yes. Uh, someone pushed the outhouse into the creek, and I believe that someone was you, son. Did you do it? He said, yes. But he said, Dad, remember George Washington's father? When he asked, did you cut down the cherry tree? He said, his son said, yes. Remember George Washington said, yes, I did. And he didn't get punished because he told the truth, and I'm telling you the truth. He said, son, that's, that is true. But George Washington's father was not in the cherry tree when it got cut down. <laughs> there are consequences for our choices. And we need to make good choices. <laughs> in Romans 5 verse 16 it says don't you realize that you become the slave of whatever you choose to obey you can be a slave to sin which leads to death or you can choose to obey God which leads to righteous living you can choose life you can choose to live righteously you can make that choice you can decide you can choose the problem that we have, we don't want to choose or to, to decide on some of those life choices until we feel like we can keep that choice. But the problem is you're never, you can't obey God in your own strength anyway. He's waiting for you to decide, make that life choice where he can bring his grace and his strength empowerment to give you the ability to obey him. And that's what we got to understand. When I make a life choice, sometimes I don't, I don't feel like I have the ability to do that. But I know he does, and he gives me his ability, his grace, and his strength. So we need to choose. We need to choose life. Billy Graham said this, I thought it was good, talking about choices. If you don't make a decision, then time will make it for you and time will always side against you. See, if you're not making a life choice, we automatically move into that place of death choices. 
We've got to choose God. We've got to choose life. We've got to choose His Word. We've got to receive His Word. That word receive means to take hold of. Bring it to yourself. Receive from God. Receive His Word. In Luke chapter 10, we see an example of someone who made the right choice. In verse 38, it says, Now it happened as they went, they entered a certain village, a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Mary was distracted with much serving, and she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. You're troubled, you're worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So we see Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus listening, and Martha is in the kitchen or wherever serving. And this thing is working on the inside of her. She gets upset, and she goes to Jesus have you ever been there? You feel like you're doing it all by yourself. And this rises up within her and she said, Jesus, don't you care? What's your problem? Don't you have eyes to see that I'm doing all the serving? Everyone else, including my sister Mary, is down here at your feet. Can't you do something about this situation? Mary's just, she lets it out. And I, I've imagined, and you meditated on this before, and I thought, was, did she come and interrupt Jesus' teaching? Or did he take a breath and she just, Jesus, hey, just a second. Don't you care? <laughs> I think we've all been there and experienced some of that. Let me read you what the Amplified says. It says, but Martha, overly occupied and too busy. Say, too busy was distracted with much serving. And she came up to him and said, Lord, is it nothing to you that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me, to lend a hand and do her part along with me. Many Christians are too occupied and too busy and too distracted. Even in serving, is serving important? Yes, very important. Should be a part of our life. He that is great is in the kingdom is a servant. But there's something that trumps that. What is the most important thing in your life? What will help you make some life choices if you'll sit at the feet of Jesus? If you'll come to His Word? If you'll make sure you're not too busy, not too distracted, not too occupied to not spend some time with Jesus. And it can happen. We're so busy running to and fro, and we're expecting ourselves to have the blessing of God in our life, but we wind up making wrong choices. Let me tell you what a bad choice is. Being too busy to have any time with Jesus. Being too occupied, too busy, too distracted to do to invest in the most important relationship that you have. The one who is the very author of life. The Lord Jesus Christ. 
And then you, you become this almost like a victim. You start blaming other people. You know, things aren't going right. Jesus said, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. It's not just your sister Mary. There's many things going on on the inside of you. But he said, one thing is needed. One thing is needed about all these things you're worried about. All these tr things you're troubled about. One thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that one thing. And because she made that choice, it's a life choice. And I'll not override her choice and tell her to leave listening to the word and go back into the kitchen she has chosen that good part. Do you want to stay worried? Do you want to stay trouble-filled? Or do you want to make some life choices? Do you want to see the blessing of God in your life? You've got to spend some time at His feet. You've got to be immersed in Him. You've got to have the Word inside of you. You've got to cut off as the world turns, as the stomach sours and causes you to be bitter and have an affair. You've got to take some time with Him. Now, that doesn't mean that you just spend all your time at his feet and do nothing else. Doesn't mean that you don't cook, you don't clean the house. Doesn't mean that you don't go to work. But you got to have some time with him. Because that time is the greatest time of influence in your life. He has the greatest influence in your life. Jesus. Mary made this choice. A life choice is choosing to put God's Word first in your life. That's a life choice. And it's a life choice that you cannot do without. Many choices happen at a subconscious level without us even thinking about it. There are choices that are programmed into us. And we can go weeks, you might go months, without really thinking about why I did this or what I was feeling or what was going on the, in, on the inside of me, and you're making choices. It's like your, your brain doesn't slow down enough for you to decide. It just automatically, you're, you made that choice. These choices can limit grace in your life. You can find yourself, and these choices are okay if they're life choices, but when they are deaf choices, we got a problem. When they're the wrong choice. Some people sabotage their good job because of some programming on the inside of them from the past, past experiences, that causes them to automatically make bad choices, make bad decisions. So we have to make sure that we have the right thing programmed in. An example would be, a, it's like putting a plane on autopilot. You go back and you sit down, uh, or you go in the back to take a nap. Your only hope is, is that autopilot is programmed with the right program, that you're going to the right place. You're going to Florida, not Cuba. So you better have it programmed right. Another example would be you have a conversation with someone, they're getting on your nerves, and the impulsive thought that you have is not a life choice. But you say it anyway. 
autopilot and it comes out. Or maybe you're at work and your boss tells you something they want you to do. And what rises up in you is not a life choice. It's a choice that can produce a curse in your life. And you wind up saying it anyway. Or you're talking to someone about your boss. And all of a sudden, you're having your boss for dinner. He's being roasted. (laughs) It just came out of you. It's like you didn't have a choice. Why? Because of that autopilot. So I want to look at how do you change that? How do you reprogram that? And this can help you understand maybe why you haven't received or what's happened in your life. But we need to know this. What is the program we need to have? The Word of God Always is the right program for your life. You've got to choose the word. It has to be final authority. You have to make that choice. Uh, I've had people, you can show them in black and white the word, and they say, I see it there, but I can't agree with that. I mean, no, that is a belief system gone awry. Something's wrong. And we have to be able to change the programming to God's Word. The good news is we can change it. You can reprogram your life to be the automatic pilot can be life choices. And, and to do this, I want to talk about the heart for just a moment. You remember, all the autopilot would be Jesus said, out of the mouth proceeds, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's autopilot. Out of the Abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Things come out of you because of what's in the heart. How many have ever said something that you knew wasn't right, but it just came out? It's because of the abundance of the heart. So what is the heart? Now, for those of you who have been taught that the heart is the spirit, that's the way I was taught. And I... I did a study on it years ago. I'm just going to give you just a nugget. Just you can, you can study and go forth, and, I, and I'll tell you why I'm at the place I'm at in my understanding of this. But it doesn't matter. If you believe it is spirit, you still can, we still do the same thing to, to change what needs to be reprogrammed. So I was told that, or, or taught that the heart was a spirit. They were interchangeable. Here's a verse that would... Cause problems in me. Mark eleven twenty three. For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. It says, if you don't doubt in your heart. Now, if heart is spirit, it means you could doubt in your spirit. But we do know that our spirit is the part that is a new creation, blameless holy, cannot sin. Everybody agree? We are spirit, soul, and body. When you are, except Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, your spirit is where the Holy Spirit comes to dwell and live in. So it says that you can doubt in your heart. So it couldn't be the spirit because you can't doubt in your spirit. Then in Hebrews 4.12 is a verse that really 
help me. It says, For the word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, as a discerner of the faults and intents of the heart. So when you're not a believer, your spirit and soul are united together going in the wrong direction. They're united. But when you become a believer, you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, the Word of God then splits your soul and your spirit. Your spirit is following God. Your soul is wavering, going through this, the world's influence and the things from your past. So it's split. It's, it's divided. The only place, so you have then this, this warfare going on that the Bible talks about. The warfare is the battle of the mind. It's because your soul is thinking contrary to your spirit. And the only way you can stop the war is to get your soul in line with your spirit. So when you agree with the word of God, your soul's in alignment with your spirit and you're at peace. I mean, though, that peace is good. But only the Word of God is sharp enough to split or divide the soul and the spirit. So what's that mean? That means when you are born again, you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, your spirit is instantly saved. It's an instant thing that happens. Your soul, your mind, your emotions, your will, that, that reasoning place has a progressive salvation called renewing your mind. Renewing your mind. And your body has a future salvation called a glorified body. Hallelujah. So this verse is telling us what? It's saying that the joint, the joints are compared to the soul. A joints uh, hinge or they connect the, the bones together where the body can, can function. The marrow is compared to the spirit the marrow produces blood in your bones. Life is in the blood. The spirit gives you life. The soul is really the hinge that connects you to your spirit and to the outside world that causes you to function in this world. The two together make up the heart. Because it says, let me read it to you again. For the word of God is living and powerful, sharpened in any two-edged sword, piercing even to the vision of the soul and spirit of joints representing the soul. Marrow of the spirit is a discerner of the thoughts. Where are the thoughts? The soul. And intents, and your intent or your life force is your spirit. And notice what it says, intents of the heart. So when you understand this, your soul and your spirit make up your heart. God looks at your heart. He's looking for your will to be in agreement with him. He's waiting for you to decide for your soul to be renewed to truth and life. So if you can get it on your heart, you got it. How do you get it on your heart? Well, he's told us, you can actually write truth on your heart. Every time that I read the Word, that I study the Word, I meditate on the Word, I'm putting it in my heart. You remember March chapter 4, Jesus talked about the seed 
If you sowed seed into the ground, what's well, ground the heart? It can produce, but it can be taken away. And the Word of God is in seed form. It says that we're born again by the incorruptible seed. It's in seed form. So we got to understand it's a seed. That means you have to water it. You feed on it by meditating on it, uh, speaking it. What does meditate mean? It means to ponder, to consider, to, to mutter, to visualize, to, to make it yours. To make it. It's not taking the test and studying the night before. Taking the test, passing the test. Next week you could take the same test and fail it because you just got it in your intellect. I'm talking about going much deeper than just your intellectual knowledge. I'm talking about going into your belief system, making it, uh, it, the Bible talks about the spirit of the mind, into that deep recesses of your soul where your beliefs are. And then all the mind palate, instead of you stumping your toe when you get up in the middle of the night and something comes out, <laughs> all the mind comes out, praise God. If you stumped your toe this morning, God loves you and you're forgiven. <laughs> but I'm talking about automatic pallet. And the Bible says that you can build a stronghold for God. They're strongholds of the enemy, unbelief that defends itself, or a stronghold for God where you have a fortress that defends truth, defends God. So you hear something, the swine flu is going around. What rises up in you? I'm not a swine, so I'm healed by Jesus' stripes. Automatic pilot. It's easy. You know, it just, it just comes out. But he said to guard your heart because the enemy is out to steal. And he'll try and steal. He'll try and come in and pull away and take. So we never stop programming our life. It's an endless process to renew our mind to program, to get on our belief system to where we defend God until it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what pain you're feeling. I'm the healed of the Lord. It doesn't matter what my bank account looks like. He is my provision and my abundant supply. I'm walking with him. It's called faith. Glad that excited you. In James 1.21, I'm going to have to stop, but it says, so get rid of all clean, uncleanness, rampant outgrowth of wickedness, and a humble, gentle, modest spirit. Receive and welcome the word, which implanted and rooted in your hearts contains the power to save your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions. First Peter 1.23, having been born again, now the corruptible seed, by the incorruptible seed, through the Word of God, which lives and abides forever. So I have to choose to renew my mind. I have to choose to sit at the feet of Jesus. I have to choose to get my belief system to where my values, my principles are the same as God's truth. And we all have areas that we need to work on. So there's no condemnation. We just need to take responsibility and make sure we're programming our heart with truth because the world world is speaking a different message than what God's Word says. It's totally different. I mean, it's not. It, it, it's getting 
is moving apart quickly, even more. That you can't even, there's no resemblance. And we have to speak, stick with the word. Let, let me say this about confession. You know, we talk about saying the word, confessing the word. If you believe you're saying a lie when you're confessing the word, it does you no good. It does you harm. It does you harm. You, and they've done studies. They found that it, it works, and about 15% of the people believe they're actually saying the truth. But here's the difference. You've got to believe that you're persuading yourself. When, you, when you're sick and you say, I'm healed by Jesus Christ, believe that you're persuading your heart, yourself. That's what you're doing. You're not asking God to do anything. He's done it all. You're not begging God. He's done it all. It is finished. All we're doing is working on our belief system to believe. Our part is to believe Him. So when I'm persuading myself, when I'm meditating, when I'm visualizing, when I'm seeing myself uh, healed and whole, I am writing on my heart and changing my belief system. I'm causing a fortress for God to be built into my soul that my soul will line up with my spirit almost automatically and it will be like there's no effort to it and harvest 30, 60, 100 fold keeps coming into my life. That's what we're after. That's what we're after. It takes some effort. We have to labor to enter the rest. It's a labor to enter that rest. What's the rest? The rest of faith. See, when you know it's in your heart, how? There's joy, there's rest, and there's peace. And I'm not saying you won't be challenged and things come against your mind. You have to come back with truth. Come back with the truth. Hallelujah. Well, we're going we're gonna to stop there. And we'll come back. But even, you know, meditating on, on the wall. Meditating on the wrong things. He said to meditate on the good choices. Meditate on the blessing. If you meditate on the wrong things, the wrong thing just gets stronger. But if you meditate on the good things, it gets stronger in your life. So I don't meditate. If you're dealing with lust, don't meditate on those lustful thoughts and all that. You just get deeper into bondage. Meditate on being free, what Jesus has done for you. Now, if you're on a diet, don't meditate on banana pudding <laughs> or Wendy Conrad's hot chocolate chip cookies. Don't meditate on that because you're about to go get some banana pudding. Now, you might put some light Cool Whip on it. Let's <laughs> bow our heads. Let's bow our heads. The number one life choice is to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. He will not force you to choose Him. You have to choose Him. It's a choice that you make. And when you do this from your heart, it says you'll be saved. We're going to pray a prayer. And if you mean it from your heart, He will save you. He loves you, and He died for you. He paid a price for you to know Him and be a part of His family. But you have a choice. 
What will you do with Jesus? If you're going to choose Him today and make that choice, I'm going to pray a prayer. You just pray with me. Mean it from your heart and you'll belong to Him. Maybe you prayed this prayer before, but you know you've been disconnected. You're not living for Him. You want to get back living for Him. No one looking around. If that's you, I want you to lift your hand for either invitation. Say, that's me. So lift it up. Yes, see those hands. Anyone else? Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Your choice causes rejoicing in heaven. Let's all say this together. Say, dear God, thank you for Jesus Christ who chose to come and rescue me. He chose me and now I choose him. I receive eternal life. I will follow you, Lord, all the days of my life. Thank you for taking my sin. Thank you for going to the cross and being raised from the dead. I now say, you're my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give God thanks. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277.